You're listening to the official South Bay Church podcast. For more about us, please visit southbaychurch.us. My name is Steve Marici, and uh, we're continuing our series, The Elf in the Room. Uh, the topic this morning is poverty. It's kind of interesting. I look, watching the video, kind of thinking back through my life, uh, 58 years I've been on this planet. Um, with that, 26 years as a Christian, I've kind of gone through the, the gamut emotionally when it comes to some of the topics we've dealt with, in particular when it comes to poverty and the homeless. I know when I was younger, um, it a little unusual because most aspects of my life as I've gotten older, I tend to get more cynical. I don't know if any of you guys relate to that at all. Okay. <laughs> this is an area, I don't know if it was the cynicism or getting older that Jackie was referencing. <laughs> this is an area in my life, though, where I feel like I've lost the cynicism. And then when I see someone homeless on the street, when I was younger, where the place that I would automatically go is, well, they're there because they want to be. They're there because of decisions that they've made. And some of that might be true when it comes to the decisions. Um, any of you ever had a situation where you've maybe bought food for someone that's homeless and um, watched what they've done with it after you've given it to them? I think for me, this may be where some of that cynicism has come from because there's a number of occasions where uh, I was going into a, you know, a whatever, McDonald's, uh, Carl's Jr., probably Carl's Jr. because I don't like McDonald's, but... Um, and, you know, you, you get hit up by somebody as you're going in for money, and I'm like, well, you know, why don't you come in with me? I'll order you something to eat. There's been a few occasions where that's happened, and the food that I purchased for them, as I've gotten in my car and looked in the rearview mirror, the food went in the trash, and they may have slipped out a small bottle and poured something into the Coke that I purchased them, purchased for them, and you, I, just playing that out, it's like, well, why, why do I want to keep doing this? I think... As I've gotten older, there's, the emotions have kind of changed. You know, it's kind of like with a video. Some of you might have felt, well, that was kind of mean-spirited, plugging those family members in and kind of deceitful and, you know, whatever the point is that they're trying to get across. But I think the reality of it is that could be something that happens to any one of us. Or, if not us directly, a family member. I know there's some of you in this, in this group that have friends or family members or relatives that have been in that type of situation. Uh, my brother, Philip, for years lived out of his car. Uh, he was, it got to the point where he was, because of some different mental disorders, he was actually dangerous to himself and others, and he's a state ward of the, or he's a ward of the state today. So, you know, it was something I had the opportunity to experience firsthand, but just really thinking through that, why does that make us uncomfortable? Why is there this wide array of emotions? And I think ultimately what it gets down to it's not having an understanding that God has called us to with what an incredibly benevolent God he is and what he did for us with his son, Jesus Christ. You know, we've had the opportunity with the elf in the room to take a look at things like politics, pornography, drug abuse. When it comes to poverty, why is that the elephant in the room? I think we'll, we'll take a little bit closer look at that as we move through here, things here this morning, but I want to start out with a... Uh, a situation that's very real for many of us here today. We're going to look at a situation regarding poverty, the poor and the needy. We're going to take a look at a young lady who's just had a baby. Now, mind you, her boyfriend that's with her isn't the baby daddy. 
We don't know who the baby daddy is in this particular situation. She and her boyfriend don't have work. They've had to beg for a place to stay. And with that, the authorities are actually looking for them as well. To make matters worse, and I think it's something we can relate to in this day and age, they're looking to sneak across the border into a better situation for themselves personally to get a fresh start on life. But right before this destitute family has this situation that's taking place, there's a group of pretty official-looking people that show up at their feet. And again, keep in mind, with this baby, we have mother, we have the boyfriend, not the baby daddy, and this new, newborn child that, based on how we live, are living in a very unhealthy situation. If you've got to ask yourself, if you were that group of people that showed up and saw everything that was taking place, how would you respond coming into contact with them? Would you call social services because of the situation that this young child was being subjected to? Maybe it's a matter of building a bigger wall to keep people out from creating additional challenges for us personally. Maybe you'd give them all the money that you have. What would you do here in this situation? Thankfully, when we looked closer at this situation, the, the wise men were the official people that we were talking about that see Jesus, Mary, and Joseph. And instead of turning them in, they give them a small fortune. They put a small fortune before Mary, Joseph, and Jesus, right before they're going to flee the border across from Israel into Egypt. And as we saw in the video this morning, most of us don't even slow down enough to see the poor that in our lives on a daily basis is real people. Somebody's mother, sister, cousin, or aunt. And we look at this single mother, Mary, and with that, we saw how many people, biblically, we have the biblical account, turn them away without pause, without hesitation, let alone really realizing that not only were they turning away this family, but the Messiah that they'd been waiting on for generations. You know, how many of us would have thought, wow, you know, that could be Jesus. And Jesus actually addresses this in Matthew 25, verse 34. And this is where I think the elephant enters the room. This is Jesus the King. It goes on his right. Come into the kingdom. Come into heaven. You know, I think it's really important that we, we pause for a moment here and really understand the significance of this, how important this is before we go on. And that Jesus is talking about a separation, a divide, a, a, de a delineation between people. And there's something that calls out, that actually labels. He says, blessed by my Father. Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you fed me. I was thirsty, and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me into your home. I was naked, and you gave me clothing. I was sick, and you cared for me. I was in prison, and you visited me. Then these righteous ones will reply, Lord, 
When did we ever see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink, or a stranger and show you hospitality, or naked and give you clothing? When did we ever see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will say, I tell you the truth, that when you did it for one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you are doing it for me. See, Jesus calls us to serve the poor and the needy. Now, the reality is, You know, it's not a matter of helping them, helping them only if they're willing to help themselves. It's not in the Bible. It's not a matter of helping the poor, the struggling, the addict, only if you can be guaranteed that they won't squander what's given to them and continue in that same lifestyle. Jesus doesn't say that. And I think this is why at times we come up with these qualifiers. Justify our absence of serving and or giving or just turning a blind eye, or ignoring our calling as disciples. Well, you know, I don't want to enable them. And I think this is one of the things I love about God. It's not ours to judge. God will take care of that. We are simply called to serve the needy and to feed the hungry. You know, ultimately what it gets down to is this is what it means to make Jesus Christ Lord of our lives, to actually be his followers, to be called his disciples. Matthew 25 talks about this gathering of all nations. And with that gathering, though, this is the elephant in the room. There's separation. Those on the left, you can see the room gets divided right down the center here. There's those on the left in the room and those on the right in the room. And as a shepherd separates sheep from goats, that's what the application and implication is here for us as men and women. So we need to realize that God is the one who judges and delineates right from left, sheep from goats. What is the significance here? See, the elephant in the room this morning isn't poverty. It's what we're willing to do about it because of the eternal implications. You know, it's interesting. We live in a nation that 70% plus claim to be Christians, which would be about somewhere in the realm of 234 million people. So much in the news about the homeless today, so much in the news about politics and the abuse of funding and hundreds of millions of dollars that are being designated for that and why we still have the problem today. The reason I put before you this morning that we still have the problem today is out of those self-proclaimed Christians, if there were 234 million people doing what Jesus has called us to do, would the world look different today? Is it really the government's role to engage on that level? Not from what God says. Not from what Jesus says. And I think really understanding that, why do we have the situation we have with ISIS today and Al-Qaeda? Because there's a purpose that young people can get excited about and feel like they're actually making a difference. It's visible. It's in the media every day. How much Christianity do we see in the media on a daily basis? And maybe if there was more of it going on, there'd be more of that opportunity for it to actually be in the media. And this is what excites me, is because we each have the opportunity to be a part of something bigger than ourselves. We each have the opportunity to engage in a purpose that makes a difference in the lives of others. Again, the elephant in the room this morning isn't poverty. It's what we're willing to do about it.
and the eternal implications. You see, the thing that's, that we've got to really understand, too, is that everybody lives forever somewhere. Everybody lives forever somewhere. And where do we want to spend that eternity? Jesus continues in Matthew 25, verse 40. It says, and the king will answer them, I assure you, what you did for the least of these brothers of mine, you did for me. Then he will also say to those on his left, depart from me, you who are cursed into the eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, and you didn't take me in. I was naked, and you didn't clothe me, sick and in prison, and you didn't care for me. Then they too will answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or without clothes or sick or in prison and not help you? Then he will answer them, I assure you, whatever you did for the least of these, you did not do for me. Or whatever you did not do for the least of these, you did not do for me. And they will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. That's the elephant in the room. Isn't that kind of an uncomfortable passage? This is Jesus Christ laying this out. That's one of the other things I put before you this morning is that because passages like this are that elephant in the room, an elephant in the room does what? Kind of cramps their space a little bit, right? I mean, they're big, they fill the room, it's not very comfortable. Passages like this are not comfortable, but they're not meant to be. Jesus was trying to solicit a response. He was trying to help people see that as we live our lives, as we take a stand, we can either do the right thing or the wrong thing. But there are implications based on the decisions we make. And God wants us all to spend eternity with him in heaven. And this is a means of helping facilitate that. You know, that room that the elephant is, in, is divided. It's not an easy topic to embrace. It's convicting. You know, I need to share my heart from a few years back when it was shortly after we got here. Marco invited us over to his home. Marco Pelizzaro, you guys remember Marco? And it seemed like most times when we went by his house, we left with something additional to do. And in this one particular situation, he wanted us to take on the champions for the poor within the region. And um, let's just say I wasn't like super excited about it. Part of that was there was a book that I was recommended to read called The Hole in the Gospel. And I mean, it's very convicting. It's a pretty amazing book. But in light of everything else I was doing, it's like, seriously, I've got to take this on too? But what it did is it showed me what a bad place my heart was in. And the thing that I'm really grateful for was that challenge, that opportunity to really take a look at my heart. I wasn't comfortable. I didn't like the fact that he was holding me to make some kind of a decision within a few days. It made me think about it that much harder. But it wasn't until I actually started praying about it and realizing some of the things that I've had the opportunity to experience personally as a Christian that my heart changed and really looked at this as something amazing to take on and I'll talk about it in a little more detail as we uh, move along this morning, but I really want to commend each and every one of you. It's amazing to see what you have taken on in addition to 
what I would venture to guess, most of us feel are pretty challenging lives. You know, job, maintaining that, trying to keep a, a roof over our, house, you know, our heads, food on the table. For those of you with families and children, you know, there's a whole other set of implications and responsibilities. But it's amazing how many of you have gone beyond what you already are responsible for within the realm of your own families have been willing to take on these additional things, knowing that not only does it make a difference, but it's pleasing to God. It's amazing. You know, there's no easy way to put it. If we serve the poor and we give to the needy, if we hold to the teaching of Jesus, Jesus says we really are his disciples. That's the problem with Christianity today. 234 million people that claim it, but where in heaven's name are the actions? And as disciples, the thing that's got to be encouraging for each and every one of us is if we're doing what Jesus calls us to, guess what? We're on the right side of the room. We are his sheep. We are right. We are righteous before his Father in heaven. We are his disciples. So the call today is to really examine ourselves and our service to the poor. If we need to make changes, we make changes. See, when we do these things, we're doing Jesus' work and as if we're doing it for him, which, amen, it's pleasing to God. That's a good place to be operating from, amen? See, following Jesus will make your life better and make you better at life. I, I look at the implications of what God has done for me and how he's worked on my heart through the years, and some of the healthiest situations for me were probably some of which were the most unhealthy to be in. You know, I look at the opportunity we had. We went back to the, uh, we went to Honduras. And if you go on the state site for foreign travel, Honduras has the highest per capita murder of in the world. And it's like, we're going there, why? And then when you look at the surroundings and some of the situations you put yourselves into and the diseases and the health issues that people had. But it was so amazing to be able to see the looks on the faces of these individuals that we're helping, whether it's on Honduras or it's in South Central L.A., down by the homeless mission with all the tent camp there in that part of town and the difference a bottle of water makes or if nothing else and this is one of the things I loved about the Casillas group and their impact on the homeless in Santa Monica this is not just a matter of plopping something down in front of somebody you know one of the things that these people need more than anything is interaction with other people and that willingness to engage and look someone in the eye and smile and have a conversation and help them understand, you know what, you're important too. You're significant in this grand scheme of things. The thing that we're talking about this morning when it comes to having a life of impact and purpose, benevolence. What we're really talking about here is benevolence. Benevolence, what is it? You can see it right here on the screen. It's the desire to do good to others. Goodwill, charitableness, to be filled with benevolence toward one's fellow creatures, to engage on that level. It literally means doing good things. And wouldn't you guys agree it feels good to do good things? I know I don't usually have a guilty conscience that uh, comes into play there. It's when I do bad things that I don't feel good. And this is just an amazing way to embrace what God wants for us. He wants us to feel good about life. He wants us to feel significant. He wants us to feel like we're, we're meaningful, that we're making a difference in this life. 
It's really interesting, the, the impact that the first century Christians had, first and second century. Nero, Domitian, Trajan, and Valerian. These guys set the stage for the most ruthless and systematic persecution of Christians ever under Diocletian. The Emperor Diocletian ordered Christian church buildings destroyed, worship to be ended, scriptures burned, clergy arrested and put to death. That stood for any Christian that wasn't willing to make pagan sacrifices to Rome, their gods, paying their taxes. Yet despite the rack, despite the sword, despite being burned at the stake, the cross and every other means of torture that they were subjected to, the church was growing at an astonishing rate of 40% every 10 years. You know, you, you think this through, why? What could possibly attract anyone to a religion that was being persecuted, hated, and where there was a potential death sentence that came along with it if you identified yourself as a Christian? Here's why. In pagan Rome, when an epidemic broke out in any town, there was little that anyone could do to stop the spread. What would people do, fearing for their own lives? They would just simply flee. They, they'd try and get away from whatever it was that was taking place. And it wasn't uncommon for the healthy to leave behind friends and family members to get away from whatever it was that was taking place. In 161 AD, one of those such plagues struck Rome. <laughs> kind of interesting. Diocletian's own physician, Galen, when this epidemic struck, fled. His own doctor pulled stake and got out of Dodge. Yet the Christians remained. And their motivation wasn't self-centered, but Christ-centered. They stayed behind to care for the sick. And not just their own, they stayed behind and took care of anyone that was sick. See, Jesus had told them in attending to the needs of others, they were caring for him. The charity of Christians set them apart from their pagan neighbors and attracted their attention. This comes out of the, uh, a book entitled Charitable Works of the Church by author Saratelli. It's amazing to see the impact that something, on one hand, so simple, the implications for generations to come. You know, looking at God, I think when we take the time to pause and think about it individually, how benevolent has God been to us? You know, you may be thinking, well, you know, Steve, I've never really been homeless. I've never really been impoverished. You know, I know there's some of you in this, in this group that have had those situations in life. But I think overall, in general, for each of us individually, at one point of our lives, haven't we all been spiritually impoverished? And if it wasn't for someone else willing to take the time to engage us and demonstrate for us what true Christianity looked like, willingness to take the time and study the Bible, help us through some of the challenges or fears or excuses we made for not really engaging with Christ the way that we needed to, if it hadn't been for those individuals, we wouldn't be here today. Proverbs 28, verse 27 reads, Whoever gives to the poor will lack nothing, but those who close their eyes to poverty will be cursed. Bible just said here that benevolence brings blessing. 
and closing your eyes causes curses. In other words, we're at our best and blessed when we're benevolent. We're doing good things for others. Not because of our great works, but because of what a benevolent spirit and act does for our hearts. You know, think about this for a minute. Could it be that when it came to the early church, they experienced such an incredible impact and growth because the early church took care of the poor? You know, it's kind of interesting. The book of Acts, it says that this about the early church, that there were no poor among them. Benevolence brings the blessing of God. Another quote from the uh, Charitable Works of the Church by author Saratelli reads, To most pagans, Christian charity made no sense. Why spend energy and one's goods on those who don't contribute to the state? In other words, if you're a Christian and you're part of a Christian group and you're supporting that Christian group, why would you take time, energy, food, money away from that group and help groups on the outside? Let alone a group that's persecuting you where you're even threatened with death. Through its lavish self-indulgence, pagan society was tottering on the brink of extinction. But Christianity, with its care for the needy, the sick, the dying, was emerging as a new way for society to live. To the question, what could possibly attract anyone to a religion so persecuted and hated? Julian, the last non-Christian Roman emperor, gave this answer. Julian himself despised Christians, yet he grudgingly admired their charity. He is remembered for his sarcastic rem remark. These impious Galileans not only feed their own poor, but ours also. Welcoming them, them into their agape, they attract them as children are attracted by cakes. Clearly, even among the church's most strident enemies, her care of the poor, the neglected, and the unmarginalized wouldn't even go unnoticed by someone as callous as Julian himself. I'm grateful that 25 years ago, our church saw the need not just to preach the good news, but to model the good news for those in need based on what Jesus' brother James called pure religion. In James 1.27, religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. It's kind of interesting when we engage on that level, it keeps us separate from the pollution of the world. And isn't this something we're being bombarded with almost minute to minute? We step out of here. You know, I, I know some of you may be struggling this morning. I'm up here talking, and how many of you guys are involved with fantasy football? How many of you guys have your phones on airplane mode right now? <laughs> uh, the Steelers are playing right now. I'm a little antsy too. <laughs> I got the DVR going though. But just thinking that through, it's amazing how God protects us, how he knows what's best for us by engaging the thing he calls us to, how it keeps us, us healthy as well. You know, I remember 25 years ago, first Hope Conference in Los Angeles, Century City, and just seeing some of the minor things that they had already accomplished and things they were going after, and uh, pulling Pat and Bob Gemple aside after the thing and saying, hey, what, do I, what can I do to be involved in this? I, this is what I want to do. I think this was before I was on staff. Needless to say, Kip McKean kind of shut that down and had other, other, other thoughts for me. But I, I'm glad that through the years, I've had the opportunity to impact a larger group of people to engage on this level as well. I mean, last year we raised over $54,000 for the International Day of Giving. And the thing that's so awesome about that is for every dollar we give between 
uh, corporate dollar funding matching and government grants, our $1 turns into 10 when it comes to meeting the needs of the homeless, impoverished, those with health needs. Uh, what we've got going on in Haiti right now, what we've got going on in Florida right now. Uh, we've seen the Hope Brigades engage and make such a huge difference for those, whether it be natural disaster or just natural life situations. And it's so incredible to be a part of that. You know, within the uh, South Bay Community, Community Church Service Projects for 2016, year to date, these are some of the things that we've accomplished. We have our foster care barbecue, feeding the homeless in Santa Monica, Playwork School Beautification, Warner Lane Elementary, Silverado Senior Assisted Living and Harbor Terrace uh, in, engagement with the elderly, foster youth projects, Hope Drivers taking foster youth to adoption fairs, giving them the opportunity to be engaged in an actual family. Mentoring Day for Foster Youth with Rico McClinton. Fifth Annual Inner Beauty Contest. Bob Gibson building storage for all the formal gowns that you guys donated for their beauty pageant, Inner Beauty Contest. Wednesday's Child Videos, the prayer requests, the kids that we've seen placed because of that, getting that out into the public more. Feeding the homeless in Santa Monica, you know, that's something monthly that the Casillas have been doing. The Sheriff Fest event at uh, Dabinka High School with the rallies. Beacon Like Mission in San Pedro, the Steebergs. Uh, our blood drives in May and September. Our food drives for kids program in Torrance. Food drive for the community child. Postcards for L.A. Watton. Clothing drives for Harbor Interfaith Homeless Shelter, which has taken place seven times so far this year. The men's underwear drive for Beacon Light Mission in St. Pedro. The purse drive for handbags to the homeless with Share Hope USA, which were filled with toiletries. Hoops for Hope, the thousands of dollars that have been raised there on an annual basis. Scholarships for Hope Youth Corps. The Skechers having donated 67 coats to Beacon Light Mission because of Clay Jackson's involvement there. And so many of you are doing so many things, and I know I probably have missed some people this morning. You know, if I miss your group, I'm sorry. But to me, it's just amazing that it took a while to get through that list of what you guys are doing and the difference you're making in our local communities. That's exciting. That's making a difference. That's called pure religion. Let's continue to build that spirit of service to the poor and needy within our church. Let us give ourselves fully to the work of the Lord as we're called by Jesus and Jesus states, we'll reap a harvest of righteousness. This is one of the ways we can do that by engaging on this level. In 1 John 2, verse 17, it says, The world and its desires pass away, but the man who does the will of God lives forever. You know, we got a little bit of time left here going into 2016. As we're heading into the holiday season, we have the opportunity to really engage the true spirit and meaning of Christmas. Amen? See, throughout the holiday season, we're going to be offering several outreach opportunities for you and your family to do benevolent acts before God. And this keeps our hearts soft. It helps our children, our friends, and our family members see Jesus. Some of the things we have through the remainder of the year here, Feeding the Homeless in Santa Monica this month, October Feast at Beacon Light, Thanksgiving Baskets, and Wilmington Toy Drive that the Johnson Community Group's headed up every year. Hosting the Southwest Hope Worldwide Volunteer Conference in December. Adopt a Family for Christmas, something the Casillas are doing. Fundraiser for our sister church in Balawayo, Zimbabwe, and I'm sure I probably butchered that. But that's taking place later this month as well. 
And you can find out more about these events at our information booth or by going on our church website, southbaychurch.us. You know, if you're visiting with us and you're, you've been looking for an opportunity to engage within the local community, we, we've got the means of you being able to engage on that level. And I guarantee you, the first time you do it, it's going to make such a difference in your life, and it won't be the last time that you do it. In the South Bay Church, when we commit ourselves to serving the poor, when we engage the poor physically and spiritually, when we give of our time and our money to helping what Jesus referred to as the least of these, we are serving, feeding, and quenching the thirst of Christ himself. And God is pleased with that. With that, we will be counted among the sheep. And here are the words that Jesus spoke in Matthew 25, where he says, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the creation of the world. And now I'd like for us to take this opportunity to bow our heads and pray. We're going to use this opportunity to take up our contribution for the International Day of Giving with Hope. Uh, if you'd make those checks out, if you haven't already made them out to Hope Worldwide, that would be great. We have through the remainder of the month to uh, engage on that level. And I know that it seems like there's been some communication breakdowns maybe between here and Kids Kingdom or, or whatever it may be. Normally it's in November. Uh, I do want to take responsibility for if you, for whatever reason, did not hear about it. Um, I don't want you stressing out. Again, you have through the remainder of the month to be able to uh, contribute to that and as a church we've always come through in a great way and we'll be taking up our regular offering a little bit f later in the service here this morning we're going to be hearing from uh, individuals that participate in our, our Hope Youth Corps uh, just being given the opportunity to see some incredible ways that by having this kind of focus the difference that can be made but let's go ahead and bow our heads Father as we uh, come before you this morning I know for me personally I'm humbled by the act of benevolence you extended to us through your son, Jesus Christ. Just so amazing that, that Jesus would give up everything that he had, uh, that he'd surrender his kingship to come down and, and be a servant, to be a slave. Through his walk, his life, but more importantly, the sacrifice of that life for us, uh, we have the opportunity to inherit this kingdom that Jesus referenced in Matthew 25. Father, I pray that we never lose sight of that inheritance. I pray that with the giving that takes place today, that you'll multiply our efforts and multiply what we give, which will multiply the impact that you want to have internationally. Father, I pray that there will be people that come to Christ, just as there were in the first and second century, when they saw the contrast, when they saw the difference of true Christians. Help each and every one of us strive to be more and more like Jesus, really understanding the impact that that can have. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thanks for listening to the South Bay Church Podcast. For other sermons, videos, upcoming events, and more about our church, please visit southbaychurch.us.